Good morning, everyone. I'm coming to you live from my daughter's bedroom. Those are words I never thought I would say, but it's the quietest place in our house. So I hope you don't find the, <laughs> the background decor too distracting. Um, I must say, I do find it quite distracting, but um, they are in the lounge watching Barney. I got called few, a few minutes ago to after I'd started um, because Bob the Builder got stuck in a maze. So let's hope um, that this is undisturbed, but if it is, I will be filming this in segments as we go along. But I think there's so many things that, that could frustrate us or we can enjoy. Uh, the fact that you're probably doing church in your pajamas with a cup of tea right now is something novel and different. We have so many different dynamics that we just aren't used to. Yet God is working and we unite today around his word and what he is doing. We unite around celebrating what he has done in us and that we as a church have a genuine love for him and for his word and for one another. So wherever you are this morning, may you feel loved and welcomed. You are so a part of us, even though we are so far apart. We finished a series in Genesis that I found so challenging. And now we move on to another challenge, and that is confinement refinement. I think the series theme speaks for itself. The title speaks for itself. Um, we are being refined through this time. For many of us, we have been in so many different situations that we never thought we would be in. And in all of them, our character is showing. I was thinking back to a time um, we were in Florence and we went to a, um, the Leonardo da Vinci Museum, which had a whole lot of his different designs and experiments, but um, it actually was geared more for kids where you could go and, and really experience um, what he had drawn up and, and envisaged. And the one was a, a little booth that you could go into and it had eight mirrors and you could stand there and see yourself in every direction. I think for some they would absolutely love that experience, for others they would hate it. Um, but my main goal is I wanted to take a picture in this booth. And what I found is that when I got in, um, it was quite distracting. As far as the eye could see, I could just see myself. I didn't know where to aim the lens. I didn't know what was happening. And it reminded me of this time, and for so many of us, that's, that seems to be what's happening, is that we see ourselves from so many angles. We, we're seeing so many weaknesses cropping up. We, we are somewhat overwhelmed and don't always know what to focus on. But today we're going to be looking at family and how God's refining us in our families and those relationships that can often be like iron sharpening iron. We celebrate family in this time. But I also realize, and I, I think this is what really threw me when I was preparing, is that there's so many different dynamics that, that all of us are grappling with. There are many that are in really hard times right now. Maybe when the doors to your house closed, you, you focused on so many things that you wish you had that you don't have when it comes to family relationships. Maybe you're single and you were hoping that you would be married. Uh, maybe you don't have kids or your kids have left home. There's so many different dynamics that I found it quite overwhelming. But I also was reminded as I actually probably had quite a challenging week last week in the, in the family department. And in fact, the whole lockdown has been kind of challenging. But um, with parenting, my husband Jono has continued to go to work and we wave goodbye in the morning and then the, the wrecking balls start wrecking our house from 
the toys to the plants to the garden it just looks like a bomb's hit it and and I kind of seem to go behind them cleaning up um, and I find that challenging while I'm still trying to do my job and there are many days where it's got me down there are many days where I'm sure my neighbors could attest to the fact that I have raised my voice um, and there are many days where I felt like a good mother and so I think that's like all of us our experiences um, have maybe been like a wave where sometimes we're riding it and sometimes we're getting dunked and we can't even breathe um, but God's word will speak to us and I, I enter this cautiously just knowing though that for many you carry a lot more hurt and pain in this area and for some you may be in a good season but God's word can minister to both of us, all of us in the situation. Um, and he can continue to speak to us because we are becoming more like him. And so none of us can say that we have arrived. And he wants us to become more Christ-like. And, and maybe if you're in a good season, these are still truths that you can take and just share with others who, who God might take and, and put along your path. So as we speak about it, I think for me, it comes from quite an authentic place. I went before God and I said, what do I share? I had I had this kind of feeling that I should take out a whole lot of good self-help books and, and, and relay truths that I've learned. And God reminded me just to go back to his word, which which can always speak to all of us. And so um, I went to his word, it has spoken to me, and I trust that it will speak to you too. And so the first thing that um, I want to point out is a rather cheesy point. Um, you've heard the saying, there's no, there's no iron team. Well, when I was preparing, I must say there's an iron family. And um, that's where we should always start. If your parents were anything like mine, um, they had some wise sayings. And I always found when I went to my mother with a challenge of, of someone who had irritated me, upset me, um, hurt me. Um, and I would just be so angry with them. And, and she would always say this truth. Um, don't try and change them. Rather say, God, change me. And I always think about that when I'm getting frustrated with people. I'm sure there have been times where you might have someone who has given you an incredibly hard time. And you would love to just unleash your words on them. Or grab them and take them to therapy so that therapists could sit down and tell them exactly what they're doing wrong. But God often starts, always starts actually with wanting to change us. And there's a beauty in it that if we allow him to change us, the process actually becomes a very beautiful changing process for us. And so we're going to speak about how God can change us in family. It's not what I had initially thought because I was going to speak about parenting and marriage and all these different dynamics. I realize I'm actually quite a novice and, and sometimes really foolish and um. But I, I went to Colossians chapter 3, and as I was going through it, which it addresses late in the chapter, addresses different relationships, um, husband and wife, children, and it speaks into those, and that's where I was looking. But my eyes went to the page just before, and it's the same chapter, but those verses actually speak with an instruction for holy living. And it's the first time it's occurred to me that that, that is just one chapter that flows from the one thing into the next God speaks about holy living, how as a people we are called to be different and we are called to be separate. We are called to live our, our lives according to his word and his ways. Some days that's going to look very different to what the world says. When the world makes certain behaviors permissible, um, where it might even speak about certain things being beneficial to us, yet God's ways 
might look very different. And so here he speaks about holy living, how we are called to be separate, how we are called to be apart. The way that we do life, the way that we do marriage, the way that we do family is called to reflect him. And so I'm not even going to speak about the verses later, about husbands and wives and children, but rather I'm going to speak to the beginning of chapter three, the parts that spoke to me and challenged me. And actually, once I put into action, and I've tried and tested this, so it comes from a place of, of I can say it works, um, if you put these principles into practice, um, not because I discovered them, but because they're in God's word. So the first one I want to look at is, um, we're going to go to Colossians chapter 3 and start at verse 1. And look at, as we're reading it, I want you to look at the verses that talk about God and you. You and God. And that's where it starts and that is my first point. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthy things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. And what do we see in these verses? We see this dynamic of you and God. He's calling you to certain realities. He's calling you to truths, to, to the, the reality that you, you've died with him, that you've resurrected, you've, you're in this beautiful new life. And that there's glory at the end of all of it. And that is what we live for. We live for God's purposes. Family is a beautiful thing to have, but ultimately our life belongs to God. When we're facing challenges of any kind, the best response is to go into that secret place to spend time with God and, and just letting him speak into your life. And starting, I find even it's better to not even start with the actual issue that you're facing, but just to once again look at your intimacy with God and what does that relationship look like. The interesting thing is that when we start there, the overflow is often responding to the very issues that are sin issues that need to be sorted out. I've heard so many testimonies over my life of people who um, became Christians later on in life and, and some of them had very destructive ways, um, hurt family members, there was abuse, alcoholism, that sort of thing. And often their first response after um, submitting their lives to God and, and becoming a follower of him is that the next step is for them to go to their families and just spend some time repenting and asking for forgiveness. There's a beauty in that when I see myself in the mirror before God and I see what he has done for me, my next response is just to go, Lord, how do you want me to respond? What do you want me to do? And we often run to those that we need to get into right relationship with. There's nothing better than going before God and just saying, God, here's my heart, just do what you want. Many people fear this process because they think God is going to tell them something harsh. Um, for many, it is actually that experience of family where you've been in a very harsh and hard family that you can't even experience God's goodness. But I was looking at the words from Jeremiah 31 verse three, where he says, I've loved you with an everlasting love. I've drawn you with unfailing kindness. Those are two qualities that so many people in the world just desire, love and kindness. You hear these songs, what the world needs now is love because it's just not enough love. But that is what God calls us into. That's what he draws us into. 
So this isn't a process where he wants to come and wrap us on the knuckles and discipline us and give us a hiding. No, this is a time where he wants to draw us in and whisper to us. It can be a very beautiful experience if you're feeling broken. It can be one where God opens up your heart and you see him in a brand new way. But the first step I want to challenge you on to obey is, is just to start spending time, just you and God. Let him remind you of what he's done in your life when it comes to salvation and what he's still doing. But don't neglect your time with God. After we are called to spend time with God in that secret place where he ministers to us, we then call to something else. The scriptures call us to put certain behaviors to death. Before I look at them, though, I want to speak quickly into what family and original design for family looked like. If we look in Genesis chapter 2, we see how family was actually provision that came from God's loving heart. He says, it's not good for man to be alone. I'll give him a helper. There's a beautiful companionship, a love relationship that he, that he gives for us to enjoy. And so there's something about inward family that we get to celebrate, the fact that we can lean on each other, that we can love each other, that we can be there for each other. That is companionship. There's something else that God calls family to, and that's to be part of his salvation plan. If you read about the story of Noah and how God takes this righteous man and he gets him to take a step of obedience and, and puts his family on this boat to um, quarantine and lock down with a whole lot of animals. If you think your quarantine is bad, I'm sure this, that would have been chaos. Um, yet God uses his family in his salvation plan. Later, we see the family line that leads to Jesus, who will bring us the ultimate salvation. And we see how, how God is using these families as part of his salvation plan. So family really is twofold. There's an inward blessing and there's an outward blessing. And both of those, when, when our family is, is acting in a dysfunctional way, when we are caught in a rut, when we are caught in sin behavior, it really trips up God's plan and God's plan A for our family. If I think about times in, in the series that we've just done before in Genesis and just what um, the families got up to when sin crept in, we see terrible, disastrous things. Brothers selling each other, throwing each other into prison, stealing birthrights. We see bad sin issues. We see husbands and wives turning on each other. There's so much sadness that comes in. And it's the same for our families today. The minute we take our eyes off God and we let sin come in, there's a corruption of what God has called us to do. God has got a special plan for your family to be a blessing to each other and for your family to be a blessing outward to the world. So we need to take these instructions really seriously when God calls us to put certain things to death. Let's read verse 5 um, to, to 9 and see what he says about what we need to put to death. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices. So if you look at those scriptures, those are, those are quite interesting and, and heavy words to hear, because most people could probably tick off quite a few on that list. 
And what the Bible is saying, it's using very extreme language and saying, put those to death. We found a, a dead rat in our pool the other day, um, quite a big one. And so we took it and we had to bury it. And I wouldn't go and dig it up right now because that would just be disgusting. Um, and it's the same when we call to put certain behaviors to death. We are called to send them to the grave and not dig them up. We called to take that behavior and let it no longer be a part of the way we act. For some of us, it's quite an easy thing because it's little issues and sin issues that have crept in. For others, there's lifestyle patterns that need to be changed, but the calling remains the same, that we need to put those behaviors to death. That is what God's calling us to. And it's a very drastic measure, yet the consequences and fruit of it could be amazing. I remember a while back, um, I was reading a magazine article and it was speaking about, it actually interested me because it was speaking about how divorce um, isn't always the answer, um, but it was from a um, secular psychologist. It was in a mainstream magazine. And so I was interested to hear what her reasons were because we're often exposed to, to biblical truths and biblical reasons. And so this woman gave her reasons why she was pro-marriage. And then she spoke about one of the first steps to do is just to draw a line in the sand and call a truce. And she said, it's just sometimes that simple. You just need to break the cycle you're in of fighting, of anger, of, of being in an unhappy household. And you need to say, let's just stop that. The problem is with so many of these behaviors, they can spiral and get so out of control. So when we are called to a holy living, when we are called to a certain behavioral pattern and to put things to death, these are ways that are so beneficial for us and our family that God is calling us to something good. So my challenge to you is what is it that you need to put to death right now? What doesn't have a place in a holy person who's called to be different life? What is God speaking to you about? And I'm sure there's something that, that maybe has come to mind already. God is calling you to take extreme measures for your sake, for your relationship with him, but also for the, your relationship with your family. And then the next thing that we're called to is letting God renew our minds. And I've added to that the Bible verse calls us to renew our minds, but also to heal our hearts. Because if you look, you know, we can't really separate these issues, our heart, our minds, even the effect it has on our physical body. So I'm throwing that in there of letting him heal our hearts. But let's read these, these scriptures. It's verse 9 to 12. Since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in his image, of its creator. Then we just grip down to verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. So we don't just stop walking in a certain direction, but we turn around and we walk towards God's goodness. He's calling us to a better way. He's calling us in the morning to put on certain things. And I want you to try this because I've tried it. He's trying in the morning to, to proactively, spiritually dress yourselves in these behaviors, to let God put these things into your mind and, and, and renew your mind. Let him update it. Let him put um, compassion in your heart every day, kindness, and especially for the areas in your family that you're battling with. We are stuck here and this is a time where we can work through these issues. Instead of just burying the issues and pretending they don't exist, they are being put in our face every day. 
So these weaknesses that you've been exposed to, the things that you might be lacking, now God is saying, come put them on. And his ways are good and his ways are kind and he's wanting to dress you in certain clothes that look good on you anyway. And so he says, come, let me, let me put compassion on. And how does that look? For each of us, that's going to look different. Come and put kindness on. Come and put humility and gentleness. And the interesting thing here is that we need to keep our minds in check because they will want to revert back to the, the old behavior, the old ways of doing things. It's like an old stream or river that, that has, has kind of beat out a certain path. And so it's easy to step back into the things that we've been told to put to death. But rather we need to create new streams. We need to create new patterns and new behaviors. It's been interesting. I've listened to a few podcasts and the buzzword often is neuroplasticity when you're talking about self-help, that you actually are capable of change. You're capable of new ways. And once you've put those habits on, before you know it, those, those habits that you're putting in place become a pattern. And then it becomes a behavior that actually becomes part of your life. It's beautiful to see how, how even, you know, there's that saying you can't teach an old dog new tricks. But I've seen God take the hardest people and transform their lives and hearts. God hasn't finished with us and we, we shouldn't put a stop on God and say, this, this is just part of me, I'm just going to accept it. We have been called to put on something new and something different. But in the process of him calling us to these new behaviors, it can also be very healing for us. Because when I start to give out these behaviors, when I start to act in a certain way, I find that I actually receive it better too. When I start to act in a more loving way, I receive love better. When I start to act in a, in a more gentle and patient way, I find that people give it to me more too. And that is the beauty of these scriptures. That is the beauty of these new patterns and what we're told to renew is that our hearts will get a measure of healing in this too. God doesn't tell us to go and kind of pull our family by their ears, sit, sit them down in the lounge and tell them this is how they need to put things to death and what they need to start acting. And God is calling you to do it. That is the only person you're going to be accountable for and responsible for before him. And so God is calling you to this new way. This is a message for you, but it will bear fruit. Believe me, if you start bringing these qualities into your home, this godliness into your home, this holiness into your home, you are going to see fruit. There's no way that when you're acting in a loving way over and over again, that people will be able to have the same ammo and come back with the same hits. They're going to have to adjust their behavior, even if it doesn't look the way you expected, and even if there's a hardness about them, but it will diffuse situations. It will bring about change. Let God renew your mind. So we've spoken about sharing intimate time with God and letting him speak to us. We've spoken about putting certain behaviors to death and resurrecting other ones. And then the verses start to close off when it comes to holy living and it speaks about putting on love. Listen to verse 13 and 14. It says, bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you and over all these virtues put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. It's almost like it takes those scriptures and puts its arms around and gives the verses a great big hug. Um, love is a word that we hear all the time. It becomes a cliche and we forget the power of true godly love. If I think about the season we're in, the world definitely needs the message of love, of God's love. 
The tragedy of the situation we're in is that a lot of people in the world have lost family members, loved ones very suddenly, and probably many of them have regrets. So when we talk about putting on love, I also jotted down a challenge to myself to just have a very short list, no list actually, to deal with my list if there's any unresolved issues that I need to deal with because I don't want to have any regrets. If you look at Jesus' life, he wasn't in his last days running around making right with certain people. He was enjoying a love meal, a communion meal with his disciples who he had walked a road with because he was walking in good relationship. And that's what we are called to, is to walk a loving road with people. I know it's a challenge. I know some people can feel so incredibly unlovable. Yet there's no exclusions. There's no clauses that give you, um, make you exempt um, from loving certain people. It's a behavior pattern that I'm called to, to love my family. It's so powerful when, when God says to husbands, but I mean, this, this, this quality, I believe, just goes to husbands, wives, children. Love each other like Christ loved the church. What a command. Imagine as a husband reading that and just knowing what God has done for you and how extravagantly he loves the church, how he gave his life up. That is the love he's calling us to. As a wife, when you read that, as a child, when you read that, God is calling you to a love behavior that's so extravagant that he laid down his life for us. It's not a tame love. It's not a watered down love. It's a true, sincere, sacrificial love. And that is what we're told to put on. It's something that we can celebrate as we, as we give it out because it's something so beautiful and enjoyable. It's a fruit of the Spirit. It's mentioned throughout the Bible. We can't escape the fact that God is calling us to love. But as I said, as, as, as we do this, as he's calling us to, don't just love certain people. Don't just love those who, who God has put in your way right now, your family who are on shutdown, your kids. They might be extended family members. They might be cousins and aunts and uncles and grannies and grandpas who you need to go to and just make sure that that love relationship is looking good. And then here's the send off, the last few verses that, that really, after we've bound it all together with love, sends us off and says, just go and obey. It says here in verse 15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing to God with gratitude in your hearts and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through them. Once you've looked at all those other things that God is calling you to, look at those verses. And I want to encourage you to take some time. Look at verse 15 to 17 by yourself and, and see how it's all bound together and how we send off. I was really puzzled with the how do you speak to each other in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Um, because I, when I admonish someone, that's not how I want to admonish my child, um, you know. But, but maybe I need to be calling them inside and saying, you know, God has made you so fearfully and wonderfully, which is a psalm. Um, I'm seeing something that I need to call out in you. There's a better way. And so maybe there's even something in this when I'm looking at how I discipline my kids, how I speak to my, my spouse, how I engage with my family. 
And the call to peace is a significant one because when we've put all these things in place, something that we enjoy is actually having a peaceful life. I'm not sure if you've met people where it just seems like drama and relational fallout seems to follow them wherever they go. That isn't God's plan A for our lives. It's not what he's called us to relationally. And once you, you all of a sudden put these things in place, you will see how God makes your ways more peaceful. As I started by saying that, that family, they know your weaknesses, they, they you know, know how to get to you, but there's a wonderful way in that we can actually just with our family put things in practice and try certain behaviors and they're not going to kind of disqualify us or discredit us. I mean, we family, they can't kick us out. Um, so it's a great platform. Our home can be a great platform to just start to put certain behaviors in place and to, to see how it works. We know that you don't always get these things right straight away. I don't get everything perfect straight away. But these things that God is pointing out, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. Let this message be in your home. Let it live among you in a very rich and beautiful way. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is a season where many of us aren't feeling that thankful. We're feeling disturbed, um, challenged. There's so many other words that I could put in there, but there's a calling to still be thankful. Let's still celebrate what God is doing in our church, in our homes. So I'm just going to close by really praying for us, our church family, but also the families that we find ourselves amongst our family members, and that God will use this message to refine us. So it's 24 hours later. I didn't just do a costume change for the sake of it. It's not the Oscars, um, but had to abandon filming because by um, the end of it, and you can probably tell by my final points, my um, thoughts were everywhere um, because I could hear thumping and buckets being thrown in the background. And um, I discovered naked kids running around the front garden. Um, so it's a new day. We've gone for a run. I hope you have all got out to exercise. And as we, as we end this, I think um, I've developed a new genre of, of sermon called The Living Sermon, where you're facing challenges real time as you're speaking on it, because that's exactly what was happening. Um, but I really just want to remind you that God's ways are so good, as I said before, and his ways really do bring joy and to encourage you to take a step of obedience. I know for so many of you, your um, situations, family situations are so much more complicated than just having lively little children at home. And I'm so aware of that, but God can still move and he still calls us to obedience. Um, I also want to say that as pastors, we are very much still on duty. You can contact us via email or WhatsApp if you're needing prayer and support in this area. We really are for you. We love you um, and we don't want you to journey alone. And so as we end in prayer, I just want to say that if God has spoken to you about this, please don't um, let it kind of um, go too long without just seeking his face and the steps that he wants you to take in obedience to him. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your goodness and your grace. We thank you that um, your word and your truth speaks to us, Lord. Um, we know there's so many different situations, yet you have something to say to all of us. Lord, we thank you for your Holy Spirit that's our counsellor and our help. And we pray for a deep ministry of your Holy Spirit this week. 
Um, Lord, we pray that if you're calling us to hard steps of obedience, that we really will obey and listen to what you want us to do. We thank you for your presence and we just pray for everyone who is listening this morning, just to have such a significant and fresh touch from you, Father. Lord, we, we love you and we love your ways and we just pray that we'll continue to walk with you this week. Amen. Amen.